Greetings. Welcome to our next episode of A Stone in Zion, the podcast of Zion Lutheran Readfield. And today we're looking at the third week in Advent, which is sometimes known as Gaudate Sunday, which means rejoice. Um, it's also sometimes known as the Pink Candle Sunday. Um, I looked this up, you know, why you know, is a question I often do get from kids and such, you know, why is the third candle in the Advent wreath pink? And I looked it up and it's because pink symbolizes joy, apparently, and it's the liturgical color for joy. Um, you know, I don't know what you think about that, but I'll go along with it. And today that message of joy, uh, it fits in with our readings and our uh, and the message that you're about to hear is we see that <clears throat> we have plenty of reasons to be happy. And I, I guess I don't talk about it too much in my sermon, but what underlies some of this is that, um, you know, for some people, Christmas time can be a time of sadness. You lose a loved one around Christmas time, it's going to forever kind of taint that day. And, um, you know, it can be a, a hard thing for people to to deal with. So I understand that there's a lot of people that are happy at this time of year, but there's also a lot of people who are sad. And uh, I guess no matter which camp we fall in, uh, we've had some pretty good reasons to be happy when we really look at what the season is all about. So without further ado, I'll kick it off to the sermon. We look at our scripture lessons today. And our first one is from Zephaniah chapter 3. It's an Old Testament book of the Bible, much in which the, the first couple chapters are all about law, about judgment and condemnation for the Israelites. But here um, in the third chapter, we see a real reason to rejoice. And uh, this will serve as our text for our sermon today. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your, hang, your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ, our true source of joy. I remember when I was a kid, my grandpa loved to take family photos. And I remember when we were having around Christmas time, we'd have family get-togethers, and all the cousins would be out playing, doing having fun doing something and grandpa would call us all in all right and we'd have to take our family photo now grandpa's camera had all these dials and things on it and it would take him about an hour to get it all dialed in where he can get a good picture so we'd have to stand there and smile you know he'd say smile everyone you have to hold your smile for for what seemed like forever as he got it all set and of course we didn't really feel like smiling because we'd rather have been out playing, right, with our cousins and, and doing other things, but we had to smile. So, of course, we forced it, right? Flash forward a couple decades later, and I find myself doing 
pretty much the same thing, although it doesn't take as long to take a picture as it did back then. And of course, my kids don't want to smile, and I tell them, smile anyways. Force it. So they do, right? But no one really likes to do that, right? No one likes to have to force yourself to be happy. There's sometimes when we don't like to be told how we should feel. I don't feel happy right now. I'm sad. Let me be sad. I've got a good excuse. I think I've got some good reasons to be sad. And maybe some of us do this Christmas time. So I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to force you today to be happy on this Gaudate Sunday. I'm not going to tell you you should be happy. But maybe today... Looking at the book of Zephaniah, I can give you a a few good reasons to be happy. And we see in our text for today a couple of good reasons. We have our God with us. It says here in Zephaniah, your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He is a great warrior. And he delights in you. He rejoices in you. We have a God who is like a doting father to us. It's an interesting picture of God and really two different, very contrasting pictures, right? In our text, we see this mighty warrior and we see a doting father. And both are true in what we have in God. The NIV translation of of Zephaniah is maybe not always the best. And especially when it talks about, it says, your God is with you. He is mighty to save. What's translated in in the English as mighty to save in in the Hebrew is he is a mighty warrior. He is a hero, a champion who saves. The the Hebrew word that's used there is gabor, which is a, a powerful word. It's the word that was used to describe Goliath. He was the Gabor of the Philistines, the champion of the Philistines. And that's the word that's used here to describe Jesus for us. How is Jesus like a champion? Well, remember David and Goliath, that story? If you recall, you had the Philistines and the Israelites, and they were at war with each other. And Instead of the two armies just coming and, and fighting and thousands of people dying, they decided that they would each pick a champion, one man. And those two men would fight, one versus one. And whoever won the battle between those two people, that side would win. And that actually was a pretty common thing back in those days. Um, a very similar situation to that is recorded in the Iliad, which was right around from the same period in history. So that was a common thing. The two champions would fight and the winner would take all. The Lord, our God, is our Gabor, our champion. And we need a champion. Because think about who we are fighting. We are up against the devil himself. Can we stand against him? Can we stand against sin? And temptation, not on our own. 
We need one who is mighty to save. We need a Gabor. And that's exactly what we have in Jesus. A savior who came and fought against the devil and won. He won the victory. And that means no matter how weak the rest of his followers are, we have won the victory because he won the victory. And that's what Christmas is really celebrating, that we have a champion who fought the battles for us. It gives us a reason to to rejoice, to know that we have this person fighting on our behalf. And who does he fight against? Well, it says here in our text, the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. And it says there, he's turned back your enemy. But more literally, it says there that he has cleaned house with your enemy. Actually, the the word that's used there in the Hebrew means to clean up. I like that idea. You know, Jesus has cleaned up. He has wiped away the enemy. He has washed the enemy away. What is the enemy, though? You know, what enemies do you have? Perhaps some of you are thinking, well, I don't really have any enemies. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a dictator of a country where I've got all these people who are trying to get me. I don't have enemies. Or maybe you're thinking, I got plenty of enemies. There's a guy at work who makes my life miserable. There's a family member who, who makes my life difficult. Or, you know, I got, there's all those people who belong to that other political party that I don't agree with. And they're trying to destroy America. And they, those are my enemies. You know, there's a lot of people here in this world who are sinners, who are lost and hurting. And perhaps they deserve more our compassion than our anger. Really, our greatest enemies are not any people here on this earth, but rather ideas Ideas that would seek to separate us from God. A toxic culture that that wants to brainwash us from the truth. Sin. Temptation. Those are some of the greatest enemies that we face here on this earth. Because if those things are left unchecked, they certainly can pull us away from God. If we are allowed to continue in our sin and we think nothing of it, that can slowly erode our faith in God and take it away from us. And certainly that is a a real enemy that we face here on this earth. But thanks be to God that we have this Gabor, this mighty warrior who fights on our behalf, who has defeated these things. Now, you may think, well, if he's defeated sin and temptation, then then why do I still sin? Why do I still, you know, have to deal with temptation? The thing is, the punishment for sin, the, the, the real power of sin has been removed. Because Jesus died to take away that punishment for sin. And now, sin cannot condemn me to hell. The Bible tells us there is now no condemnation for our sins because he has removed that. 
Jesus took that condemnation, that punishment, that pain. So that when we sin, we can go to God and he forgives us. And we certainly do. We certainly have failed. We need one to fight on our behalf, to win that victory for us. And that is Jesus, the mighty warrior. But we also see that God is a doting father. And isn't that an interesting picture here in our text? In verse 17, you see both of these contrasting ideas. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. To delight in you, to quiet you with his love, and to rejoice over you with singing. This doesn't sound like a mighty warrior. This sounds like a mother or a father holding a little child in their arms, singing and rejoicing over that child, quieting it with their love. But it's what God has done for us. And this is what we really do need in this sin-filled world. But you know, first we maybe have to ask ourselves, how could God delight in me? I mean, he must know what I've done. He must know that I am a sinner. I'm nothing special. After I die, my name will soon be forgotten. How could God rejoice in me? Well, the reason that God can rejoice in us is because God has made us to be special. He has taken his love and wrapped it around us so that God doesn't see us for the sins we've committed, but he sees us for the righteous deeds and acts that Christ has done. And we are special to God now. And he loves us in this amazing and perfect way. In a way that you have never been loved before. I imagine as I stand here and talk to a wide variety of people, all of you have been loved in different degrees and in different ways, right? Perhaps some of you have been loved much in your life. And maybe you can think of how you have been loved, perhaps by your parents. Perhaps some of you are thinking how you weren't loved that much by your parents. Or think of how you've been hurt. Perhaps you think of friends and uh, maybe even uh, spouses. And you think about the love you have received from them. And for some, it is great. In others, it's less than great. The thing is, even if you have and love greatly here on this earth. Still, that love that you have can't compare to the perfect love that you have from God. His love is the ultimate. Think of, you know, you take a number, let's say one, divide it in half, you get a smaller number. You divide that in half, you get an even smaller number. And you can keep doing that, and you'll always get a smaller and smaller number, but it'll never be zero, right? It'll approach zero. It won't get there. And that's kind of like our, our love here in this world. There's people that we know. And sometimes when if we're really blessed from God, we have that person where our love approaches perfection, but it never gets there. Not unless we look at the love that God has for us. Because his love is perfect. 
He loved us so much that he sent his son into this world to die, to take away our sins. He did what was necessary for us. And he watches over us now in the good times and in the bad. We have this perfect love from God. And I think it's a great cause for us to rejoice on this Rejoice Sunday. But if it isn't, he still gives us more. Here in our text, we're told that he will quiet you with his love. The word there in Hebrew means to hush. It's a word that can be used for a parent. Think of a, a, a mom or a dad holding a little baby in their arms, and the baby's crying, and the mom or dad says, Shh, it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. And that's us. And God holds us in his arms. Here in our text, there's a powerful image. And it really, there's some other images that kind of help me think of them. The story of the prodigal son. You know that story, the prodigal son? The son gets his inheritance early. And he goes off and he lives in, in wild extravagance. He's, he spends all the money on wild living, parties, drunkenness, all that. And he loses it all. But he's in this foreign country and he doesn't have any money. So he gets a job feeding the pigs, which of course for a Jewish person was a terrible job. Pigs were unclean. So it's like the worst thing ever. And he was starving. And he longed to eat the slop that the pigs were eating because he was so hungry. And then he hatches this plan. Remember what it was? He was going to go crawling back to his father and beg for his mercy and his forgiveness and tell him, you know, Father, I, I'll become your servant. I'll do the, the dirty jobs that you would give to your lowest servant. Just give me a job in your house. I'll take whatever you can give me. Take me back. So then he travels back to his father, and the father sees him coming from a distance. He runs to greet him. He gives him a big hug. And then the son starts talking about his plan, right? How he's going to be a servant and all that. And he doesn't get very far. His father shushes him, right? He says, shh, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. You're here. You were lost, but now you are found. And he rejoices and throws a big party, doesn't he? That's our heavenly father. Perhaps when we're hurt, when there's difficulties in our lives, when we remember pains from long past or recent, maybe we want to go to God and share all those pains with him. And then he quiets us with his love. He says, shh, it's okay. It's all right. It's going to be okay. I have a plan for you going to be okay. And that is the Savior that we see here in our text. A warrior strong to save a doting father. 
Certainly, I think this image here, this Christmas time, it maybe isn't going to force a smile on our face, but it certainly gives us every reason for a genuine smile to come to our face when we think of what we have and what we're celebrating this Advent season. It gives us every reason to rejoice. Amen.